And we welcome you in once again to another JC and Morgan podcast. He is JC Sherbert of 24 7 Sports. I'm Mike Morgan of ESPN and the SEC Network. We continue our guest parade as we inch closer and closer to the start of the football season. We've got media days for both the SEC and ACC coming up in a matter of days. Uh, and a guy that knows the ACC extremely well, knows a thing or two about winning. And even knows a thing or two about uh, working with me. We had a chance to do a game last season in lovely Winston-Salem, North Carolina, for a game at Wake Forest. He is Eric McLean, the former Clemson Tiger, a two-time uh, conference champion, one-time national championship game participant. There's a lot of accolades <laughs> in there. That's right. <laughs> I'm running out. Uh, and he's a good dresser, even though he, he gets he gets suited up by a rival of uh, mine, Brent Skinner. So, <laughs> Eric, welcome to the show, man. It's good to talk to you again. Yeah, guys, thank you for having me, man. We're so close to football. We are entering right now what I like to call as talking season, uh, and, and it's my favorite. It's, it's my yeah. favorite. We get to hear from everybody. We get to hear how great everybody's going to be, uh, and, and we try to dissect that and figure out what's real and what's not. But, man, it's so much fun. Great to be here with you guys today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And yeah, now you are, I mean, you are a natural talker. It's funny when I started telling people back in the state of South Carolina, yeah, I'm doing this game uh, with Eric McLean. And I, I remembered you as a player, but, but you and I had never spoken. I'd, I'd never interviewed you. And they're all like, Oh man, that dude could be the governor someday. Like he is just a, <laughs> he is just a natural talker and the, and the gift of gab, which is what you need in this business. So um, tell everybody first off, we're going to go like forward then backward. Okay. How did you get the gig with the ACC network? Cause that's where a lot of people that are listening now know you from. And then we'll go back to your heyday on the gridiron and then we'll start putting the ACC under a microscope. But, but how did this whole broadcasting thing come to fruition? Yeah, it's, it's actually a, a crazy story, man. And, and to tell you how that came to be, I have to even go back further, you know, to my playing days and, and just always being the guy as a junior, as a, as a senior that, you know, was put in front of the media and, and was put in front to talk to these guys and to, to defend my quarterback, uh, sometimes on the field, sometimes in the media, all these different things. Um, and, and so just throughout my career, everyone says, man, you need to you need to go into broadcasting. You need to go into sports, this and that. And I just kind of said, no, you know, I, I like to do it as a hobby. I know what it'll take to be a professional at that. And, you know, I don't know if that's something I want to do, all the traveling, the preparing. I mean, I prepare now more than I ever did as a player. It's crazy. And so, you know, just hearing that for two years, it was just always something that I kind of pushed to the side and said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay at it. It's fun, but I just want it to be a hobby. And so I, I worked in, uh, you know, athletics with Clemson. I was a GA there for a year and a half. Then I worked in this marketing and sponsorship firm uh, that, that held Clemson's multimedia rights. And within that became coaches shows, radio shows, all these different things that go into a multimedia right partner. And in my second year in doing that, they wanted me to host a radio show after the game, kind of a post-game radio show. So I did a 90-minute show every Saturday, got to travel with the team, which was really fun, uh, and, and just kind of learn to, to be a professional from afar and not really in the you know truly professional space. Uh, well, fast forward that same year in 2018, Clemson was playing in the national championship out in California. So we were there uh, you know, having some fun. I was going to be doing radio later. And I got a text from a guy that said, hey, this is so-and-so at ESPN. Would love to chat, you know, if you have time. And, and again, being a former player, being a former captain, uh, a guy who played in a national championship, I had done so much 
just radio, TV, other just small little appearances that entire week. And I was tired. I was in California. I just wanted to hang out with my family. So I was kind of blowing them off saying, yeah, you know, maybe if we get a meet up, text me the next day. This is now, I think the game's Monday. This is Saturday. Text me again. Hey, we'd love to meet up. I'm at the team hotel. Are you staying here? No, I'm in, I'm in Carmel. You know, we're hanging out. We're doing this <laughs> and that. I, I'm sorry. I can't meet you the next day. So I blow this guy off three times. Uh, just so y'all know who I'm blowing off. It is the head of talent acquisition, all this stuff. So this is the guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and you can't Google him. You have no clue who he is. Doesn't pop up <laughs> on purpose. Right. So I'm just thinking this is somebody who, quote unquote, works for ESPN. And uh, so fast forward to Monday. We're at the game. He says, hey, I know you're coming to the game. Let's just meet up. And, and I say, OK, you know, sure, we'll, we'll do that. Uh, where can we meet? He said, do you have a field pass? We go on the field. Um, and, and he says, I'll meet you at the 50 yard line. We're wrapping up TV. So I'm like, okay, this is a little bit more valid. Uh, this is legit. This person does, you know, actually work for ESPN. And in my mind, this whole time, I'm thinking that this is a reporter, a writer, you know, something, you know, about the game. So we meet, I'm, I'm walking over to this guy and, and he's dressed, dressed in just, you know, khakis and a polo, not what you wear on TV, especially a national championship. And I'm just like, man, this is so weird. So he's asking me about my thoughts on the game. What do I think is going to happen? And he's not writing anything down. He's not recording. I'm like, dude, I want to go tailgate. This this is a waste of my time. (laughs) And I don't say that, but I'm kind of probably given that vibe. And then he hits me with a, so uh, there's going to be some opportunity coming with ESPN and the ACC network. We want to fly you up to Bristol and see if you want to be a part of this team. Y'all, I blacked out. I have no clue what I said, what I did. Uh, it, it was a total, just wasn't expecting it. My wife, Kaki, and I were very happy in Greenville, South Carolina. Weren't looking to do anything. Uh, and then God put something in your path, something that maybe you thought you didn't want to do, but presented with the opportunity. So that was a long story to basically get uh, to where I am. And man, it's been such a blessing. The team that we work with has been so much fun and excited to be back in studio, back live with my guys uh, covering this great uh, this great conference. 2016, 17, 8. I remember this, and I didn't tell you about this on the air because we kind of went back in the recruiting realm when you were a recruit. I'm getting old. But I worked at the ESPN Upstate in uh, in Greenville, and I remember Mark Sturgis and Greg McKinney and those guys I worked with uh, talking you up, really. I, I remember because I, I did the, um, the pre-pregame show for Clemson for a year. Uh, with those guys. And I, I remember just about every day they talk about you and, uh, oh, Eric McLean, he, he's really going to be good. I was like, I remember that guy, you know? Um, so that's, uh, I was I was actually kind of behind the scenes before all this happened for you. Uh, and certainly Greenville is a great place to live. I'm, I'm assuming you're in Charlotte now um, and all that. But, uh, you know, th- those Greenville days were, were fun for me on the air as well. And I do remember talking to folks and, and them, them speaking very, very highly of your ability. Well, you know, I, I did pay their salaries nicely for doing that. And I'm just kidding. That's cool to hear that. And uh, yeah, man, it, it was fun. And I tell you what, just for if any, you know, current or, or aspiring student athletes are listening to this, I, I took every interview that I did very personally, very uh, intently with saying that one day somebody's going to watch this. And, and I was very uh, just matter of fact in, in, in thinking that, this is basically not only an interview for my team, but potentially a job interview. If yeah. there's some CEO watching this, watching me speak right now, I don't want to, you know, just just be nonchalant. I don't want to give, you know, half-tailed answers. I, I want somebody to really be locked in and, and think of, you know, the things that I'm saying, because right now I control the message. And so 
would just really encourage anybody listening that when you're doing that and when you have those opportunities, man, make take the most of them because you never know who's going to be watching, who's going to be locked in. Could be your boss one day. That, that is really refreshing advice. I, I, I've been doing a lot of the uh, morning show on Sirius XM and uh, we're working with Chris Doring and we were just talking about media days. And he looked at media days like we were talking about how do, how do the coaches determine who's going to speak. And, and he was saying this should be a reward for guys who have been in the program and have busted their tail and whatnot. And I said, but, you know, Chris, I've interviewed, I mean, hundreds, if not thousands of players in my time. I've been around them working for teams and I've been around them covering them for games. And some of these guys, clearly, the moment that they have to sit down with a microphone in front of them, if they if they didn't want to be uh, if they wanted to avoid being rude, that this is why they would do it. But deep down, they're rolling their eyes like, oh, I got to do this. And I just I, I sit there and I'm like, just everything you just said, even if you don't want to get into broadcasting like this is what job are you going to have where you're not going to be required to represent yourself well in that type right. of sitting could be a job interview for anything. Uh, and, and some guys take advantage of it and, and some guys don't. You clearly were ahead of the curve on that, and it helps you get to this point. My other observation is, and we've had Cole Kublik, Matt Stinchcomb on here. We're going to have Barrett Jones on next week. So we're very O-lineman friendly. On the Come Tennessee on. Morgan I love podcast, that. Right? I love that. <laughs> but, but what I learned working with the, and I've done games with all those guys, and, and I for Barrett Jones's uh, first two or three years, we were doing SCC network games on tv now he's like one of the main radio guys and obviously i just like you i remember barrett as a player but i had no idea what to expect of him in the booth but you guys quarterback is the obvious choice for an analyst in terms of what he can bring to the table it's such a unique position but i think of o-linemen being an analyst the way i think of catchers being an analyst in baseball you just see the game in a different way you can you can spot things and point out things that guys have played other positions simply can't. So I, I noticed a trend upward in offensive linemen getting analyst roles on TV and radio. Do, do you feel the same way about that trend? Uh, no, no question, especially as we are, are having more and more of a crave for education and, and people wanting to know more about football and, and wanting to dive into it because – I, you can sit there and paint a picture as a color analyst of, of what happened. But when you when there's a, a thirst of why something happened and how I can break it down, I think, you know, offensive linemen just see the game differently. And as you just said, you know, I think quarterback offensive line has to really be responsible for so many different things that it, it just takes you to another vantage point. It takes you to a new uh, way to look at it, a thing that, hey, you know, Eric, what are you looking at on this play? And that it's all three levels. And, and it's a really cool thing. It, it's really fun to be able to just break that down, you know, for our viewers and our listeners and say, hey, you know, it starts with a D line. I'm seeing how a guy lined up and then it goes to linebacker. Where are they in position? And then even coverage, you know, the great ones, the great offensive linemen, they look at the secondary as well to know, okay, this guy's heavy on one side. He's going to shift to cover one and they're going to bring it from the weak side. They're going to bring an extra man. So when you are able to see all that from a player's perspective, now I'm up in a booth and, and think of how much easier it is to see. Maybe not Wake Forest. That was a little high, Mike. Uh, but those normal <laughs> booths, when you can see the whole field and you can just see things happening uh, before they they really do, it's just a fun perspective, man. And and I think it's uh, the biggest advice that I got is, 
going into this thing is just be you, be who you are. Cause that's why they hired you. They didn't mm-hmm. hire you to be anyone else. And, you know, so I'm going to be that little old offensive lineman from Clemson and, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, just keep delivering. And man, it, it was so much fun and it continues to be something to, to get better and better at. You can't talk about college football today without talking about quite frankly, the same five programs for a lot of people. It's gotten a little stale for you. It's not so stale because you played for one of those five programs, but when you, when you, signed with Clemson and went to Clemson they weren't quite at the level that they are now so you you were in the middle of that transformation of good to really good to consistent perennial playoff power take me back through your your time there what was the difference like what was everybody wants to know what's in the secret sauce for Dabo Sweeney because People look at Ohio State and they look at Alabama and they look at Oklahoma and they're really not that surprised by it. They're not that surprised by the the coaches who have orchestrated it. They're not surprised. We're talking about programs that have been preeminently good for a long, long time. Yes, Clemson had moments here and there, but but they look at, at, at this as the anomaly. Like Clemson's the unicorn in a lot of ways. Dabo is the unicorn in a lot of ways. So what did you see that could help us explain that transformation? Yeah, well, I think you were being a little bit generous there with talking about where Clemson was. My senior year, Clemson was six and seven and a losing season. And so coming in as a true freshman of a team that just lost to, I think, USF in a bowl game uh, (laughs) is not even close to the Clemson that we see today. I mean, they they are so far and ahead. And and I think that's the biggest thing, Mike, of of people saying, how did this happen? Because it was so fast. It was very quick, Mm -hmm. uh, this kind of turnaround to a national – consistent power and it's just I saw the pieces as a recruit you know I I went to a ton of places I went to Alabama I went to Tennessee I went to Ohio State Penn State Auburn and kind of saw something different with Clemson I saw this family feel I saw this coach that quite frankly I didn't know if he would still be there or not he he was (laughs) a wide receiver coach that that Mm -hmm. somehow got a head coaching job but he was so passionate and and he had this kind of order of things in his mind of okay if we do one, two, three, football will take care of itself. And one, two, three was off the field and in the classroom. And so I I think it was just something that was so contagious early on that I wanted to be a part of it. I I saw the potential uh, for greatness. I saw the potential of the team that we had, the Taj Boyds, the Dwayne Allens, uh, Daquan Bowers a little bit before my time. But, you know, seeing those guys and, and what we could do as a program if we got this 2011 class together, which you know, was one of the best of all time of Clemson. And they've kind of dominated that since. But um, I, I knew we could do something. I, did I think it would be college football playoff every single year? No. Did I think it would be national championship appearances, uh, let alone winning it every year? No. Uh, so to say that, they've blown all expectations out of the water. But I think the consistency is the biggest thing. I think how they've been able to do it. Uh, and, and again, just getting the players that they have, getting people to buy in that are, at the end of the day, Clemson men, uh, the fit has been everything, and it's been remarkable to watch. I'll, I'll say something about that 2011 class, too. Yes, it had Sammy Watkins and Stephon Anthony, but you, you look at some of the guys that maybe they went out and evaluated, like a B.J. Goodson or in a Grady Jarrett, who I think is one of the best defensive linemen in college football. I mean, sorry, pro football. Adam Humphreys, I think, is still in the league, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, just got paid uh, big time. <laughs> Deshaun Williams surpassed expectations at the end. Shaquille Anthony played. I mean, Joe Gore was a starting offensive tackle. Uh, 
there you are. You know, I'm looking through it right now. Corey Crawford came into his own. It was really, you know, I think a tremendous job, not only uh, of getting the big time gets like Sammy and, and Tony Stewart and, and Anthony and those guys, but also really good evaluations, especially within the state of South Carolina. I, I totally agree with you. And I think that's really, you know, one of the things, you know, people are are so enamored by the five-star and, and the high four-star. They're like, man, they, they've got all these guys. That's great. Well, what Clemson also does very well is develops guys. They develop, and maybe it's it's more so just identifying, hey, this guy, what he can be. Uh, but but they develop these zero stars, one-star, two-star into the best of the best. You just mentioned Grady Jarrett was a two-star. I think Clemson beat, uh, you know, some local Atlanta team for Grady Jarrett. I, I'm North not sure. Georgia had, State, I think. Yeah, North Georgia. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he had no offers. And it's like, man, Clemson, man, what the heck are they thinking? And this dude is one of the most dominating forces ever. Hunter Renfro, uh was a triple option quarterback in Myrtle Beach. I, I think <laughs> Clemson beat him for uh, Walford, maybe App State. And uh, he was one of the most prolific playoff players, national championship players ever. And so there's all these little examples. And I think, again, the five stars are great. The four stars are great. But if you can't let them take another step, if they have no next step to take, you know, what are you really doing? And, And Clemson has had an unbelievable track record of, you know, taking these guys and developing them into just absolute dominant players at the collegiate level. Eric McElwain is our guest here on JC and Morgan. All right. Well, speaking of Clemson, ACC conversations for the last however many years start with Clemson. Uh, That's been great for Clemson. I don't know if it's necessarily been great for the league. I would say in defense of the ACC, uh, it's not unlike a lot of the other Power 5 leagues where it's predictable at the top. I think the intrigue for so many leagues this year becomes who's the tier two? You know, who, who's going to be making moves in that second rung? So if we can all assume that that Clemson, and let me get into um, uh, midseason form here, DJ Uwe Angolale, huh? That was good. That's that all right? Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's only mid-July. <laughs> That's right. By September, it'll just flow a lot smoother. But obviously there's going to be questions about, about him being – the guy now and and it's it you you lose trevor lawrence who's mr everything there for for some time but we we all know going from d-line the skill player it's clemson what about the rest of this conference do you see the rest of the league making strides is that tier two trending upwards or is it just a stagnation where of course notre dame is out like okay you got a bunch of schools and teams that they look good some weeks and then they, they just can't get over that proverbial hump. Yeah. I think that is, has been my biggest knock for the ACC since Florida state uh, took the free fall that they did is, is the, the development of a tier one tier two team, not just one team. It can't just be Clemson and everybody else. There has to be a true tier two. And even some years, uh, maybe last year, maybe the year before, it's almost a tier one, no tier two, and then straight to a tier three. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing is, is the ACC has to have a consistent number two, three, four team that is in that two tier that can, you know, compete with the the Georgias, the Auburns, the LSU at times from, you know, some random years. That's where they have to get. And, and the, the consistency is big at Florida State has to get back. It's going to be a long journey, but I think that they have the things in place. Virginia Tech has to get back. And this is for college football, too. This is for 
us looking at the same four teams every year, those two can make a difference. Those two can be a, a you know that team that gets back to okay, they're competing. They, they might have a shot at this thing. So I think when you talk about you know the blue blood, the the true blood type there, and also Miami, I, th- I think they're a little bit closer than either one of those teams. So those are the three that I think have to take major steps forward. And I'm not saying you know beat Clemson every year, but you know every third year would be nice. You know every third year would be something that that's interesting. You look at Clemson and their winning streak against all these teams is is truly remarkable. So. Those are the three that I think have to take the step. When you look at who can actually do it this year, I think Miami is very close. I think they are going to have one of the best offenses in the country. They are loaded at at seemingly every position. They have a trio backfield, just an absolute stable of running backs and and guys that I think can take another step in progression. Of course, this is dependent on Derek King being fully healthy, but everything that we have heard from their camp is is that that is a, a... surefire thing that he's doing very well way ahead of anything and he'll be ready for week one and then receiver you know you get a transfer in from Oklahoma you've got your core guys staying and getting better and better uh, and then the x factor I think is Will Mallory and and him at tight end what is he going to be able to do from a production standpoint um, so I think Miami is going to be that team uh, that can really push North Carolina is another team you know I think that Sam Howell speaks for himself I think he's the best quarterback in the country going into this season. What does he do this year to solidify that? I think a guy that arguably could be fighting for that number one draft spot uh, reminds me a lot of Baker Mayfield and and just how he looks, how he plays, uh, his sneaky athleticism. The biggest question with Carolina is, though, they lost everything, you know, minus the most important piece, which is the uh, they returned their whole offensive line and their quarterback. But the production that they lost is – Massive. And it's going to be very hard to overcome. You're talking about two just generational wide receivers um, that were thousand yard receiver guys at at any given moment. And Daz Newsome uh, and Deami Brown that could really do a lot. And then two generational running backs that, uh, quite frankly, you could just hand them the ball, close your eyes and see what happens there in the end zone. And, And so I think North Carolina is going to have a lot to overcome. I think Sam Howell is good enough to really make that happen. So those are two teams that I think can really step up to the plate this year. Kind of my my X-factor team, guys, that I think is going to surprise some people, and it's it's mostly because of quarterback play and offensive line play, is going to be Boston College. And, and I think that those guys with Phil Dracovic, a guy who I've been saying for a long time now, is going to be a top 10 draft pick whenever he decides to leave just because of his size, his arm strength, and ultimately his progression and, and being able to go through routes – they have a lot coming back as well. So those are some teams outside of Clemson that I'm really going to have my eye on that I think, hey, they, they, can, uh, they can surprise some people this year. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think Jeff Halfley's a rising star in coaching. I, I was very surprised at how not only the quarterback position at BC worked out last year very well, but just how competitive they were. You know, I think they – they sort of hit a period of mediocrity with Adazio and all the coaching changes before him, uh, really since Tom O'Brien left. And, and I, I kind of felt like BC was on its way back. Um, you know, you mentioned North Carolina. Uh, you're right. And then we talk about star ratings. Hey, those two running backs, one was a three-star kid that wasn't even supposed to play running back. And the other was another three. They're both from North Carolina. So, so you never know sometimes with those guys, but they were special. North Carolina's recruited very well. This is what Mac Brown did the first time he was there, and it's history's repeating himself on the defensive line. Uh, and their defense was not 
up to standard last year, like a lot of units around the country. Um, so I'm kind of looking at them on defense this year to kind of pick up the slack. They do have Tennessee transfer Ty Chandler. He wasn't the best back at Tennessee that transferred out. That's Eric Gray at Oklahoma, but uh, certainly they have it. But I, I'm with you on Miami. I, a lot of people get down on Eric King, Eric, the uh, Eric King, Eric, but uh, I, I think when he's on, there aren't many better in the country. No, I don't think there's any question. Again, I, I talk about Miami, all that they're bringing back, 91% of their production. I, I believe that's number two in the country, which is fantastic when you see all those guys coming back. But Derek can just – he can do so many things for you. And, and I've seen a lot of guys you know, say, well, he's not going to play quarterback in the NFL. Well, why not? We, we have seen some short guys be very successful very early on. And, and I think the better Kyler Murray does – the better that opportunity is going to be for Dierick. He, he can make every throw. He's extremely dangerous when he is escaping, not necessarily scrambling to run, but scrambling to extend the play. I think he does such a great job of that, and, and I think we're really going to see a big jump from him just because the offensive line is going to be better. I think Zion Nelson, uh, left tackle for Miami, can be a first-round draft pick. He's huge. He's nimble. He's athletic. Uh, a guy that can really, if he takes the next step, it's going to resonate through the entire offensive line, which then, in fact, when your quarterback's not getting hit or running for his life, obviously he's playing much better. So a huge test week one against the defending champs and an Alabama team that we all know is going to be reloaded and ready to go. But, man, I cannot wait to see that matchup. I, I tell you, I, we, we talked about, I think it was 2016, I might be a year off. That was kind of the year of the ACC quarterback. Uh, it was Deshaun's last year, and, and and that was the year the ACC, quite frankly, had more depth at the quarterback spot than the SEC, and, and it played out that way on the field. And I look at the top four guys, and this is debatable, but you, you could say Sam Howard, Derek King, DJ of Clemson, and, and Jerkovic. And I, I'm like you. I've heard a lot of people say, look out for that kid in the NFL. He has – uh, all the things that they're looking for. But you could just take those top four guys and stack up pretty well with the other Power Five conferences in the league. So I think I'm like most people. The first position I, I square in on when I'm trying to evaluate a league is the quarterback spot. And it looks like this year could be pretty solid for the ACC at that position. No, there, there's no question. And I know this is an SEC-focused uh, podcast. You guys have a lot of fans. But there's no better quarterback conference than the ACC. They have 12 teams who are coming back, or excuse me, 13 teams that are coming back with starting quarterback experience. I think Duke is the only team that that does not, and it's loaded top to bottom. There are so many different guys, and I think when you look at that, you know, kind of middle tier. You just mentioned your top four. I agree with that top four, and you look at Brennan Armstrong from UVA. I think he is going to have a massive year he he is not the same as Bryce Perkins but he is in the same breath he does it differently but the same kind of statistics and output I think that guy could easily you know have 4,000 total yards when you look at his legs and his arm what can he do for this team you look at Kenny Pickett back for his 1,000th year it seems like at Pitt <laughs> you know, the production that we're going to see from him now the the true you know comfortability in this offense when, when you see uh, Wake Forest the, the weapons that they have coming back uh, for Sam Hartman there and, and excited to see them. Mm. It, it's loaded, man. It, it truly is. And and to see all these guys, you, you have to just think that that is going to demonstrate and correlate with more wins, better production, but it comes down to these interconference matchups. It really does. And you look at week one being a massive one. If the ACC gets swept, 
if the ACC goes one and three, mm-hmm. it's not going to be a good year. And that could very white fright, quite frankly, happen. Uh, but man, I'm glad we get to see it. I'm glad we're yeah. back to having these interconference matchups. And, uh, you know, hopefully, knock on wood, we're, we're getting back to as normal as we can. We get them on the front end and then we get them on the back end. That's right, we, man. That's we, the best. We it's get a, best. we get Carolina Clemson back, Florida, Florida State, uh, Kentucky, Louisville, Georgia, Georgia Tech. I miss those games um, even more than I expected last season. Uh, final minutes with uh, Eric McElane. Eric, uh, whether you love Notre Dame or you hate Notre Dame, there's, there's no doubting the benefit that they can bring to a conference. Uh, I, I liken last year to like it, it's the – it, it's the girl that everybody wants in, in high school or college, and she'll answer the phone and she'll talk to you for hours on end. Boy, she loves you as a friend. But the moment you ask her to the prom, you know, she's washing her hair. So <laughs> Notre Dame Notre Dame gave ACC the fans a great feel for what it could be. And then they're like, okay, that was a one and done. We're, we're, <laughs> we're back to our lovely independent world. We're washing our hair. A, do you think there's any chance that ever happens? Um, I think I know the answer to that one. And B, do you see the ACC tinkering with anything in the near future with what they have? Because we are definitely in a revolutionary period in college football, expanded playoff, NIL, uh, one-time transfers, everything else. So I think we might have one more wave of of conf- teams changing conferences in us. I don't know when it'll come, but I think it could be there. What What do you see? What do you look forward to? Yeah, the, the ACC. We got we got to take Notre Dame to homecoming, but she uh, she declined prom. She said <laughs> yeah. no to prom. Uh, so it, it's interesting, man. And it's funny enough, you know, a, a month or so ago, before this twelve team playoff deal came out, I would have said yes confidently. I would have said in the next five to seven years, Notre Dame will be in the ACC full time. Now that that came out, I think the answer is no. There's no reason to. You know, they love their independence so much uh, that that it kind of outweighs the dollars. And the dollars would be favorable if they joined a conference. Um, And especially when this new NBC deal slash ESPN deal comes out, whatever that looks like. I I just think now that they essentially – I don't know if I can call it a cakewalk because they have a tough schedule seemingly every year. But now that they have a very – less difficult path to get into a potential playoff. I just don't think it's possible. I think if we would have kept it to four or maybe six and there was a potential for them to be left out, then it's more enticing to join a conference. But now that they necessarily do not have to uh, have a home playoff game, um, you know, in that first round, because it was said they will not have a bye. I I think that it's uh, it is a less, less likely chance, but, you know, I'm excited to see them, uh, you know, potential and, and with, you know, what, what Commissioner Phillips, his talk and, and his conversations with those guys. I know he is very familiar with them. So we'll see if something happens. And then to answer your next question, it's so hard to tell if, if these conferences themselves are going to expand. Is there going to be a super conference that's formed? We've heard so many different things. What can you believe? What can't you believe? I think that we will ultimately see uh, in my lifetime, in our lifetime, uh, a, a big boy conference slash league created. I do think we will see the Alabamas, the Clemsons, the Florida State Georgias, uh, uh, maybe Oregon Tech. I will uh, Texas. I think we will see them in a same conference eventually. I think that's where it's going, and I would love that. I think it would be a great thing. Uh, but like you said, there's so many changes. There's so many different things happening. NIL is blowing everybody's mind, but I think it's a great thing. Um, it's just what a time to be covering the sport, to be in the sport. 
a lot of changes. You already got a clothing deal. I mean, if NIL was around when you were a player, you know, you're a popular guy. You, you got the <laughs> gift of gab. I'm, I'm sure you could have worked out a few business deals. Man, right? I, I would have had a truck for free. I'm wearing my Traeger grill shirt. I would have had a free Traeger, <laughs> whatever, whatever you can think of. Uh, but I think it's going to be a good thing. I know you didn't ask, yeah. but I think NIL is, is a positive thing. I think we've already seen, uh, you know, guys part, partnering with nonprofits partnering for the right reasons. There'll be some greed and there'll be some headache that comes in here. But ultimately, I think this is going to be a really, really good thing for college athletics. Yeah, I think, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to, to follow and cover. I'm just glad I don't have to do compliance. That's right. That's, that's right. That's, that's going to <laughs> Give be those a people a raise, job. man. Give those Ooh. people a big raise. <laughs> give them a raise and give them a staff. You're going to have to add people to, to make sure you keep everything uh, on the level. Uh, Eric, always a pleasure. Like I said, it was a pleasure working with you this year. You got a lot of things going on. So, so tell everybody, I know you got the podcast your own podcast uh, with Kelly, uh, who another person I had a chance to work with. And you also, of course, will be seen all over the ACC network. So what do the next couple of months look like for you? Yeah, thanks, man. Well, the podcast is is going great. We're, we're about to jump back into, uh, you know, the three days a week now that we're from full football season. So you can go check that out anywhere uh, you get your, your podcast. It, it's Gramlick and McLean. That's there right, Gramlick and McLean. Uh, so it's been super fun to do that. Like you said, Media Day is coming up. So we'll have wall-to-wall coverage on ACC Network. And then we're actually uh, doing an ACC football tour uh, for all 14 schools. So we get to go, a couple of us to each school, hang out with the team, hang out with the uh, the coaching staff and, and some other support staff and really just you know show and, and give great examples of what these student-athletes do each and every day. And man, just can't wait to get the season rolling. That Labor Day weekend, man, it's, it's going to be absolute fireworks. And the ACC and SEC – uh, they're they're the headliners for uh, for four straight days, no doubt. Uh, Eric, you're, you're a rising star, and I don't just say that to all our guests uh, here on the podcast. Uh, I, I do believe that, and uh, again, really appreciate you taking out the time. I hope you and I will uh, link up sometime soon. No doubt, JC, Mike. Thank you guys. It was a pleasure. Look forward to working with y'all in the future. You got it. Thank you. Founders is offering a low rate mortgage with up to four thousand in closing costs to full time hospital employees. Honoring your frontline efforts against COVID-19. With no PMI, no origination fee, and no limit on the loan amount, you can't go wrong. Visit founders.com slash HEC and apply for your hospital employee choice mortgage today. Membership qualification required. Terms and conditions apply. Institution NMLS identifier number 410646. Founders is an equal housing lender and is federally insured by the NCUA. If you are saving for a down payment to buy a home, you may be able to drop your savings goal from 20% to less than 5%. Ameris Bank offers a wide variety of loan solutions with low and no down payment options. With a quick consultation, the man, the myth, Stuart Wingo, loan officer at Ameris Bank, can help you determine which option best fits your financial needs and gets you into your dream home. If you're looking for a variety of products, competitive rates, and exceptional service, call Stuart Wingo at 803-319-1777. You can also check them out online, amerisbank.com slash Stuart Wingo. Save thousands of dollars today by simply calling Stuart Wingo at 803-319-1777. You'll be glad that you did. Our thanks again to Eric McLean, uh giving us some great time really does a good job just breaking things down. I've just got respect for people who I I don't care what your background is necessarily. I don't care how great of a player you were. I don't care if you're a first round draft pick. Uh, I I just care that you prepare 
and you and you bring it when you're on the air. And some people just do that better than others. Um, and and Eric does a really fine job at that. Whether you're an ACC fan or not, um, doesn't matter. I just like people that are good at um, at breaking that down. And he he gave us some good nuggets there about the league jc i mean as we record this uh just a couple days away from the start of both sec media days and then shortly after that acc media days they'll kind of uh cross over each other a little bit acc in charlotte sec back in the familiar friendly confines of the uh winfrey uh near the beautiful galleria mall in hoover alabama place that i spent uh, a, a lot of times uh, covering i was thinking about this I probably did about 15 media days with, with various talk shows over the years, um, whether it's uh, in, in South Carolina, good old Columbus, Georgia. Uh, the last couple I did with Tony Barnhart uh, in Atlanta uh, with, with the old 790 The Zone. So about 15 of those, two Big 12 ones in Dallas when I was doing college fo- Big 12 football on Fox uh, with the likes of uh, Laura Rutledge and Brian Baldinger and that gang. And then one ACC, and that was back when it was in Greensboro. This year it's in Charlotte. So uh, the start of media days this year starts on my birthday, which is Monday. Uh, Not too late for you folks to go shopping. Um, But I just decided I I, got to get away from it all. They're all televised now. So, I mean, I'm going to DVR a bunch of this stuff and watch it back and hear what I want to hear and and zap through what I don't want to hear. But – I, I'm I'm ready to just take some time away from it. I'll, I'll let you. Uh, you're not going to this thing, are you? You're. Nah, you're- <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't been in years, Mike. And, I, and I'll tell you, the last time I went, I started. It was you know at the Winfrey in Birmingham. Um, and I the one the time they had it in Atlanta, I think I was living in Atlanta and I didn't even go. But uh, maybe I was out of town or something. But um, uh, you know. The last time I went, uh, it, it, the the event had grown a lot, and there was such a, uh, you know, the coverage you get out of it. You know, you, you got to be really creative to provide any value at all uh, for your audience, like on a website or something, just because, or, or even from a national perspective, because it's just all like streamed and broadcast and canned and you know you get questions sometimes like well who can win media days you're like this is ridiculous you know uh and then you know i started they and i I love the fact the sec will credential anybody for that event um and i don't ever want that to change because it makes it special because you you have these guys that just basically you know get on wordpress and make up a blog called you know crimsonthoughts.com you know, and this guy's sitting there in his Bama hat, <laughs> may, may as well have the tusk, you know, in the hat, you know, with the, the elephant and all that. He stands up, you know, oh, he's got to ask Saban a question, right? And he gets up, right. puts his puts his hat over his heart and goes, oh, Saban, <laughs> I just want to thank you so much for what you mean to my life. And I uh, appreciate you coming to the University of Alabama because it just means so much to my family and my grandpa and my uncle and my nephews and nieces and my little girl and my little girl, Max wife, and uh, all the people here in, in, in lower Alabama just really love you. And uh, I'd love to have your children. Um, but I want to ask you a question, coach. Why don't you throw the tight end more? Yeah, exactly. That's- you know, it, it just turns like that, dude. And it's like, you know, it's, it goes from like this heartfelt like embarrassment to an embarrassing question. And then Saban doesn't miss a beat. He's like, well, our tight ends are, you know, they're all good players. They've had a good off season, you know, and it's just like, and I'm like, at that point, Mike, I realized, why am I here? 
Yeah. You know, I'm the, well, food, the food's good. I like the setup. And I like Hoover. You know, I, I was just like, why am I here? You know, it's when you're cool. doing a show, it's the best. It It is a gift from yes. Yes. You're doing a daily talk. You're talking three hours a day. You and I both live this life. Yes. And, and, and it's the dog days of summer. I mean, there is nothing going on. And your average college football fan doesn't want to sit there for three hours and talk about LeBron James. So you need some content. And, and this, is, this is content galore. You don't even have to say a whole lot. You, you play a ton of interviews. You give some thoughts. Uh, maybe you give some predictions on the final day as you fill out your ballot. And then you call it a, a call it a week. And for me, soon as I wrapped up that, I was gone. Vacation, baby. See you in two weeks. Um, because at that time, of course, not only juggling a, a daily show, but then doing a college football, basketball, and baseball play-by-play. So I needed to recharge some batteries. But but that's why people go. Do, do, do you have major um, breaking news that comes out of these things? Hardly ever. Hardly ever. Um, are the interviews, you know, just top notch? Mm, I got to be honest with you. There's not a whole lot of player interviews that have stood out over the years for me. Um, and some coaches, a lot of coaches just give you generic coach speak, you know, back in the day when you had Spurrier and you had Holtz and you, you had certain coaches that were just personality galore. Now you've got the, you know, Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach, I mean, those two guys kind of lead the way, uh, quite frankly, if we're, if we're grading personalities in the ACC. Dabo is always a lightning rod because he's going to he's going to give you something uh, that no doubt is going to rub somebody the wrong way. And he doesn't care. He got enough cachet where he's like, I don't I don't really care if you do like what I think about this, that or the other. Go ahead and rip me. See if see if you're going to get me uh, to lose my job, brother. That's kind of where he comes from. But outside of that, again. Oh, in the ACC, uh, coaching personality-wise, mm. <laughs> who's gonna who's gonna move the needle for you? Mac Brown is nice as can be, but he ain't gonna give you a ton uh, to really sink your teeth into. David Cutcliffe, no. Dino Babers, uh-uh. So you know, it 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 is what it is. It gives you an excuse to talk about college football for three, four straight days, and that's why. If you're if you're a media guy, it's a necessary thing. And if you're a fan, you're tuned in because it gives you your college football fix at a time where there's just not a whole uh, heck of a lot going on. That being said, um, I I think some of the story. First of all, you can expect this. Uh, Bob Bowlesby of the Big Twelve. They just had their media days. They they got this uh, out of him, and he might have given it unsolicited i'm not really sure but he went into a whole thing about covid and basically said look this year it's your responsibility to get vaccinated if you're playing college football and if you don't and there's an outbreak and you can't play we're not moving the schedule around like we did last year i mean you think about the musical chairs that all these leagues had to go through last year and it's a miracle as many games uh, were played, particularly in the SEC, where they had uh, by far and away the highest percentage played. Um, I have a feeling Bob Bowles being Greg Sankey seemed to be simpatico on almost every major issue. I have a feeling when this question is asked of Greg Sankey and Jim Phillips, um, I have a feeling they're going to be similar answers. I have a feeling that they're both they're, they're, they're all going to be in agreement. Like, look, 
we're not moving around games this year. So if you're the team that has the outbreak, and for, and do not forget this, and just ask NC State, who might have lost a chance of winning a natty in baseball because of it, do not think that contact tracing is gone. It's still there. So you might have just two kids test positive. Heck, they might have been vaccinated and tested positive. It's been known to happen. Mm-hmm. But once the contact tracing gets involved, now you might lose so many players that you really aren't prepared to play. And if that happens – they're not. I don't think they're going to say, well, okay, we'll move this to week 11 because you have a bye week and they have a bye week and we'll shuffle this game and that game. And I don't think that's happening in 2021. And, and you know, nor should it. And, and here, here's my thing. I, I think with this whole thing, and, and I'm going to kind of keep this narrow in scope and call it with college football, it, it, you know, we, we went through the situation where, you know, COVID in a lot of ways was something that was out of everyone's control. Well, now there's a solution. There, there's a vaccine. Um, I'm not going to question anyone's personal beliefs on vaccinations. I understand all that. I do think there's a lot of misinformation uh, out there on the uh, actual danger of these things, because I look at the actual data and I see, well, you know, n- nobody's died. Um, I've been vaccinated. A lot of people that have, we haven't grown a third year. I feel healthier than I've ever been. I've lost 21 pounds, not because of the vaccination. But, uh, you know, I mean, there's absolutely no reason not to go get it, especially when you're talking about the Moderna or the Pfizer one. I understand the Johnson & Johnson one's a little, uh, you know, and I don't, you know, don't easy, give easy. Me. I got the J and J. I'm sorry, Mike, I see the third ear. I'm kidding. Uh, uh, but, you know, I was born with that. It's uh, here, Here's the it thing. It makes me unique. It's about personal responsibility now, and that's not a term, you know, and and look, that's a term we talked about a lot during the COVID thing, but now it's definitely on everybody to go, you know, either get vaccinated or take care of yourself. Don't, you know, make sure you don't get around a lot of people and stuff like that, because I don't think anybody else's life, i.e. fans, football games, administrators, all the people that, you know, are there working to make a game happen, uh, plus the other team, I don't think their lives should be disrupted, you know, because someone has made a per, one of their own personal choices, you know, and if, if you want to make the personal choice, that's fine. And you know, what you're saying by doing that is you're living with the consequences and, you know, Hey, and in, 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 in life you live with the consequences. And yeah. I, so I don't blame anybody for not, not, uh, not moving around. And I think it's going to be really sad if COVID impacts any, uh, of this this year I, I i i have a feeling we aren't totally in the clear based on some of the reports uh but i'm, I'm glad this variant's kind of playing itself out now in july and, and you know by the time we get to the season maybe it clears up but but I, I think it's it is it's on everybody to go out and exercise personal responsibility and you know make the decision that's best for themselves uh and and and, and when you do that uh, you know, I think that if there's consequences to your decisions, then you live with those consequences. Yeah, I'm not going to offer much commentary on this. Um, I, I liked your term there. I'm going to keep it narrow in scope. Uh, obviously, full disclosure, you got vaccinated, I got vaccinated. I know plenty of people that have not and will not. And I respect their opinion on that. That is their right. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I get it. Um, it, it's, it's a real easy fallback line to say, trust the science. Well, the science has been wrong quite a bit here. If you've been following what's going on, uh, for the last, what, 15 months, 
Uh, so if you're one of those, just trust the science. Well, Dr. Fauci told me to do it. Well, Dr. Fauci's been wrong several times. So I had no problem getting the, the vaccine. I think it was the right course uh, to be done. I know there are several people, and this is underreported. Uh, heck, the vice president came here to Atlanta for one specific thing, to address it with a specific community, which is the African-American community. That is, the African-American community has the lowest vaccination rate in the country. Um, and if you talk to some African-Americans about it, they will tell you they don't trust it. Uh, and that this goes back many, many years and et cetera, et cetera. So again, I, res- I, I, I don't criticize anyone who has that uh, notion that they don't want to get it or they don't, they don't necessarily trust it. That's fine. However, um, if you're, if you want to participate in college football and college basketball and college baseball in 2021, 22, at some point, I just wonder if they say, look, no vax, no play. I don't know the legal ramifications of that. I don't know uh, if they're worried about litigation with that. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't pretend to know. And I, again, it's all above my pay grade. But I just wonder if that's where we're heading because contract trace, contact tracing, which I don't even know if it really has a role in this anymore um, or if it should, I should say, it, it's still there. Like they haven't changed the rule on the books from my understanding. So um, what you're what you're doing, the the risk is so large if you even have just a few players that test positive, Uh, because once contract tracing hits, a few turns into many and many turns into we can't play the game. So I, I just I'm like you. I hope we don't have this as a big factor. And I just wonder if we're inching closer to the point where they they say, look, if you don't want it, we understand. But then you're going to have to opt out. Uh, so you, you, either in or you're out and I, that these are the type of questions that are going to be asked of Greg Sankey and Jim Phillips over the weekend. You're going to have that will be asked by every national reporter and there's going to be plenty in Hoover and plenty in Charlotte. You're going to have NIL questions. And by now that, that topic has been exhausted. Coaches are going to say what they think they're supposed to say. And quite frankly, they don't know the true ramifications of how this is going to work. Um, and maybe you throw in another question about, I don't know, expanded playoff or one-time transfers, and you're going to get your answers on that. And then you're going to get just, again, generic coach speak about this position battle, that position battle. As we talked about with the two leagues, the difference this year, the ACC top to bottom in terms of quarterback stability and uh, overall experience the ACC is ahead of the SEC this year in that category. And when I'm, when I'm evaluating a league, it's one of the first things I, I look at. Uh, the ACC, quite frankly, has to have that because they're not going to have as much talent on the line of scrimmage year in, year out as the SEC. Um, they're not going to have as much talent on the defensive side of the ball as the SEC. So they need to have an edge in, in quarterback play to really, if that conference is going to be elevated, is the way I see it. The SEC doesn't have that once you get past, you know, the, the Lane Kiffins, actually, the Lane Kiffins. Uh, Matt Corral. Matt Corral's. I'm now naming coaches instead of quarterbacks. They're both important, as I like to think. Um, but, you know, once you get past Matt Corral, JT Daniels of Georgia, uh, Connor Basilak of, of Mizzou, there's a lot of questions. I mean, is Emory Jones of Florida going to look like they hope he looks like? Is Bryce Young of Alabama going to do the same who's going to be the quarterback at LSU they've got two guys in, in the middle of a 
deep battle there. I know who you think is going to win that job, JC. You've said it uh, many times. Um, who's going to be the quarterback at Tennessee? There's like four guys fighting for that job. So, uh, but what, what both conferences and every conference in college football, quite frankly, has in common, and I'll leave it on this, is that the top is extremely predictable. We don't even have to debate who's going to be winning the ACC this year again. It's Clemson, right? I mean, do you disagree with me at all on that? Do you think I'm overstating that? No, I, uh, you know, I, I don't know. If, I don't, I, you know, Clemson lost a lot of players uh, of last did. year's team, and and so some, so there's a, there's more more ifs than there normally is, but uh, uh, no, I don't see I don't see anybody that's really close. Just to be that's honest. the thing. Like Clemson takes a step back. I agree. But who's taking a big enough, big enough step forward to catch him in, in that league? That's where I don't see it. Alabama takes a step back in the SEC in the West. But is anybody ready to proclaim A&M the true team to beat in the West yet? I'm not there. And then Georgia in the East is, is going to be about as predictable as can be. I mean, when those ballots are handed out in Hoover, I don't know. There might be two people that pick Florida and – one that wants to be the ultimate contrarian and says, I, I got Mizzou winning it. Okay, good for you. It's not going to happen, but but thanks for playing. Um, it, it's going to be predictable. In the Big 12, yeah, there'll be a few that pick. Well, there were a few that picked Iowa State, but it's Oklahoma, overwhelmingly. Um, and in the Big 10, it'll be Ohio State. Pac-12, Oregon. Oregon has to, Oregon has to be Southern Oregon. Cal, yeah. Uh, you know, and you've got Clay Helton fighting for his job at Southern Cal if, if they don't get better. So I, that's that's just that's where we are in college football. I know you, people get tired of hearing it, but that's it is what it is. So that's what I that's what I'm looking forward to uh, with media days as we get uh, closer and closer to them. Tell you something else real quick. I'm looking forward to is the one, two, three, maybe five lucky people that call Stuart Wingo today and get them situated into a new mortgage. Rates are still in pretty good shape, but pretty good from one vendor versus another, not the same thing. That's why one simple phone number is your ticket to saving literally thousands of dollars. Don't waste time on it. <laughs> Interest is just wasted money that you don't get back. So call Stuart today of Ameris Bank. It doesn't matter what state you're in. I've used him in multiple states, and every time he comes through like a champion, 803-319-1777. He also does jumbo loans, construction loans. He does them all. And he's been doing this for about 20 years uh, and is as reputable as they come. 803-319-1777. Stuart Wingo of Ameris Bank. Absolutely. Uh, that's good. You know, you mentioned the ACC quarterbacks, Mike, and uh, – 2016, you know, you guys mentioned it, and I've mentioned this several times. I, I thought at the end of the day after that season was over, because you look at the SEC, Alabama lost in the national championship game to, to Clemson. Auburn, I think, at 7-4 and four went to the Sugar Bowl. There were transfers and true freshmen, even Jalen Hurts as a true freshman. Uh, Jake Bentley at South Carolina was a true freshman that started that year. Uh, transfer from Oklahoma at A&M. I forget his name. Uh, there were two transfers from Purdue, Danny Etling and Austin Appleby <laughs> that started at Florida and LSU. That was the low uh, point right there. Uh, Auburn, I don't even remember who. Auburn, I think, had four different starting quarterbacks that year. Mm -hmm. um, none of them were good. I mean, uh, you know, 
Josh Dobbs, I think, was a uh, he Josh was Dobbs, he was the veteran of the group. But I mean, I, the, the league that year, dude, had was was down, and, and you yeah. kind of look at it this year, and you can see, well, you know, there may be some interesting situations. And then, like Eric mentioned, though, the ACC has thirteen to fourteen back that have starting experience, and I, and I think, you know. That year, you could argue the ACC was better. And I think heading into this year, uh, if the quarterbacks show up and the, the, the teams in the Southeastern Conference have issues, um, you know, you, you could see that happen again. Now, you know, I'm not saying Clemson's beating Bama in the national championship game or whatever, but uh, uh, I, I am saying that, you know, when you – the two leagues do draw comparisons a lot because they're kind of – semi in the same geographic region um this could be a year where the acc you know when you look at it at the end and you go a lot of great players and really top to bottom it was probably a better league this year just like 2016 for you sec fans that really that 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 rarely happens you know it happens almost on a five-year cycle so um don't worry about it also wanted to mention mckenzie milton because we didn't really talk about him with eric at florida state you know a, a source that i have close to that program says he has returned to form. Remember, he had the gruesome injury at UCF. Took a while, transferred to FSU. So, you know, at least at the quarterback position, which has been very unsettled and quite frankly not good at Florida State for a while, um, I think they have a player if he can stay healthy. And I, I think that's something that's, uh, you know, going to factor in with the Knowles' success this year. No doubt. No doubt. I think it's going to be a lot of fun as we uh... – back up against the end of the uh, the podcast. I know statistically speaking, they, they always say to try to keep these things under an hour, and you and I yeah. often go over an hour. But here's the thing. The people that listen, the thousands of people that download this and listen, and we appreciate that and hope that you'll tell your friends and rank us highly and all that other good stuff, no one ever complains that we're too long. <laughs> so I guess – I guess uh, I guess we're okay. It, it, there's no rules on this. I'm so used to you know a clock and formats and everything on radio and TV. This this is just kind of um, we do what we do and uh, and hope that it works. I, I'll I'll end you. Uh, I'll end with this. I'm just reading my uh, Twitter because I I came uh, more at Morgan on air at JC Sherbert. Please follow us. We'd love to hear from you. I threw this out there on the show. The, um, the talk show I've been filling in on on, on Sirius XM channel 374 about Jim Harbaugh, how he and Tom Herman, like the biggest home run hires that you can think of, right? I mean, nobody thought that was anything less than an exceptional hire. And, and for that matter, uh, that's where Tom Herman was, even though he wasn't an, an alum like Harbaugh. It, it just like it was you can't go wrong with this. This is it. This is fantastic. This is the best thing since sliced bread. So I threw it out there. Can you think of another hire that has, it was considered a can't miss absolute home run hire that failed. And so I threw it out there on Twitter this morning and immediately, of course, Scott Frost came up. That's another no brainer. Now, Scott's still got some time, you know, I, I think, Harbaugh inherited a better situation than Scott Frost did. That being said, Scott Frost has really got to pick it up in a hurry. Otherwise, you start losing hope for Nebraska, period. How about these three? Brett Bielema at Arkansas. This is from uh, Dave on Twitter. Dave uh, Weekly. Brett Bielema at Arkansas. Howard Schnellenberger at Oklahoma. Mm. And Rich Rod at Michigan. That is, uh, I mean, He nailed all three of those. Be, he he nailed all three of those. I, I, 
I kind of talked myself into the Bielema hire because he came in, he brought his staff, a lot of his staff from Wisconsin, then, you know, Wisconsin for years had recruited some guys out of South Florida. They got Alex Collins in the first class, which is one of the most bizarre recruiting stories ever. Alex Collins' mom stole the letter of intent. She wanted him to go to Miami, and they had to chase her down. He finally signed with Arkansas. Uh, and that worked for a while. And Sam Pittman was there as the O-line coach, and, and they, they made some things happen. I thought, well, winning the Big Ten at Wisconsin is similar to winning the SEC at Arkansas. I mean, the, the plan's probably the same. I was wrong, and, and I taught myself into that one. <laughs> Howard Schnellenberger at Oklahoma, I think he was at Louisville before he took the job. He lasted one year and went five and six. Um, I, think he, I think he was in between Gary Gibbs and John Blake uh, at yes. OU. Uh, yes, when, right before they were in, we put him on probation. They were in the wilderness. And then Rich Rod, I mean, think about this, dude. Rich Rod the previous year turned down Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or the pre two, two yeah, well, yes, the previous year. You go into the 07 season, he's he's at his alma mater, West Virginia, which I, anybody that is that's their alma mater, it's in their blood. You know, you can ask Bobby Huggins about that. Um, he's at West Virginia. They are. They were a shocking upset against Pitt away from playing for the national championship, and then uh, they would have played Ohio State and probably would have won it. That was Pat White and all those guys running that offense. That game has haunted Rich Rod the rest of his life. And, and so they lose. You know, I, I think it, it was a soul-reflecting moment. Here comes Michigan. Come coach. We're going to hire from outside the family. And it was a three-year disaster. So, you know, those were those things. I'll say this about Scott Frost and and and, and Chip Kelly uh, and Tom. I mean, I, I was shocked that Tom Herman was out as quickly as he was. Uh, I do think that there was some he rubbed some people the wrong way or whatever. But uh, you know, if he'd have won more, uh, you know, and and then you know, we were talking to Phil Steele last week, and he was like, they were a couple of plays away from being undefeated. Um, <laughs> and I don't think Tom Herman's done either. But that was kind of a shocker. Uh, I think Chip Kelly and Scott Frost have more time, but you know, with Frost, you have to wonder if it's the program, you know, if it's like a Tennessee situation where they've been down for a while and, you know, there's no light at the end of the tunnel or not a lot right now. Uh, And then with Chip Kelly, you know, uh, I think Chip, when he was in the pros sort of fell in love with a different style of offense. And if you look at what they run at UCLA, it's nothing like, what they did at Oregon. And I'm not, I'm not saying the Oregon thing is still work, but Hey, you got track speed and you, you go really fast. You, you're going to put up some points and they just, you know, they're just kind of iffy about it right now. And he looks kind of like he's not confident anymore. And, you know, sometimes play callers get out of that. And, and if, and if Chip Kelly's not calling plays, Chip Kelly's not really, you know, uh, one of your, a guy that should be a head coach, you know, <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, so um, and, and UCLA is also a tough job. I, I just remember those two guys, Mike, and we were on the air uh, doing this. Uh, and, man, time flies. But yeah. uh, when those two got the job, those were the leading two candidates at the University of Florida. They end up with Dan Mullen, who's been who's 29 and 9 in three years. Right, right. Uh, you, you just never know. You never know. I, I mean, you <laughs> – to say Florida fans wanted those two guys over Dan Mullen would be an understatement. Yes. And now there's a lot of, boy, there's so much revisionist history that goes on out there. <laughs> um, 
there is a lot of, oh, no, 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 no. I thought it should be mowing all along. You lie. <laughs> you lie. Everybody wanted Scott Frost. Oh, by the way, he's even, coaching two hours down the road. Come on. Even Spurrier, they ask him, well, I think I'm, well, Scott Frost maybe should be the, the coach here. You know, I mean, yes. and, uh, and, and look, it was, uh, it was, because I mean, I got texts from my buddies that coached in the SEC at the time. They're, they're like, we're waking up in a cold sweat at night thinking about Chip Kelly at Florida with all that speed. Uh, mm-hmm. And you're like, and you said, so, so people were praying that it wasn't Chip Kelly because, you know, you, you start yeah. thinking about, you know, it's, you know, Florida's really been good when they've been dynamic on offense. And then, and, and that, right. and Mullen brought that back. Here's another interesting thing. Had Mullen not gotten Florida, had it been one of those other two guys? I have it on pretty good authority. I feel confident he was going to take Tennessee. I don't doubt that because I, I think he had a shelf life in Starkville. Yeah. So I don't doubt that at all. So that was, um, if you're a Tennessee fan, you you probably just kind of glanced over that. Ah, Mullen went to Florida. Who cares? You know, we'll go, we'll get somebody. And now you're like, Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, No doubt. And I'm sure, I'm sure Chip Kelly, uh, and I'm sure Scott Frost, you wouldn't be human if at times late at night you didn't say, maybe I should have taken that job in Gainesville after all. So I mean, it, I, that that might have been the right call. For those two guys, Frost and Kelly, and the style of play they have, which is basically this, you know, Scott Frost worked for Mark Helfrich and Chip Kelly. Right. Um, for those two guys, that style of play, you can literally walk out of the swamp and toss a Frisbee and hit four guys that run four four in the forty, and that's in <laughs> Northern Florida. That, I mean, you right. know, not to mention, like if, if, if you know, one of those guys went to Miami or something. I mean, yeah. that, and I've always thought Miami had screwed the pooch, and, and hopefully Manny Diaz turns around. I always thought they screwed the pooch by getting defensive guys or guys that want to be the nineteen eighties and nineties Miami and run a pro style offense and all that. Um, I always thought, hey. Go hire Mike Leach. He has a house four hours away in the Keys. You know, right. go hire, go hire this guy that can run it. Finally, they got a uh, the Rhett Lashley is their offensive coordinator, and they're mm-hmm. kind of running a modern deal. But it's uh, uh, that's one thing I've never really understood. So sometimes you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Uh, you know, the Randy Shannons of the world they were going to try to basically duplicate everything that was done at Miami in the eighties. Yeah. But, but the game has changed a bit. It's, it's not 1980s offensive football. Uh, and things have changed uh, across the board in terms of style of play and, and everything else. I would just uh, put a period on the sentence with this about Tom Herman more so than the other guys, Tom Herman's personality really helped run him out of Austin. Wins and losses trumps everything. We know that. But Tom Herman with the boosters, you know, you always hear the term, you got to play the game. If you're a head football coach in college football, you got to play the game. He didn't play it. He didn't play it at all. Uh, and a lot of people that wanted him out in a hurry. By the way, next week, maybe we'll, we'll get into when I, when I say play the game, I think of that overused um, and, and really less than stellar quote from Herman Edwards. You play to win the game. And you're like, ha that's funny. But Herm Edwards um, was not a very good NFL coach. Gets a uh, gets a second chance on life with an AD that's kind of buddies with him. Hires him at Arizona State. Then Herman hires some of his buddies from his NFL days. And if even half of those allegations are true, Arizona State's going to be in a heap of trouble. 
Um, that's going to be a, a story that's not going to go away. And it's unfortunate because it was given some more enthusiasm and adrenaline to a conference that desperately needs it, the Pac-12, because you can only talk about Oregon so much and Southern Cal so much. Uh, it hasn't happened yet for Chip Kelly at UCLA, and all of a sudden Herm comes in there and he's doing what Herm does. He's great at behind a microphone and giving you great quotes and pulling off an upset here and there. Um, but man, oh man, <laughs> there's breaking rules. And then there's like, we don't care about your rules. We're doing whatever the hell we want. Uh, and and look, man, you know, you, you hear, like I said, I hear they talk to coaches and all that. And usually if, if it's widespread, you know, you hear from people, Hey, we're going to, we're sneaking these guys in under COVID protocol. Nobody was doing that, Mike. I mean, you can, you can like list like the quote unquote, uh, most, I mean, I'll give you a Tennessee, for example, they're in a little bit of trouble with the NCAA. Jeremy Pruitt had a top five class going during hmm. COVID. They weren't sneaking. Got, all right, let me back up. To my knowledge, and I hmm. probably would have heard about this because they recruited a lot of kids that I, I tracked, there weren't a bunch of kids sneaking on campus. I don't know where the McDonald's bags came from. That's probably from like 2019. Right. But uh, look, man, I mean, it, it, uh, it, it, everybody was kind of following the rules because I think they were by and large worried they were going to cancel the season. Okay. Yeah. Not in Tempe, Arizona, brother. <laughs> I mean, it was just like, I'm like, wow, you know, and, um, and, and I don't even know how much Herm had to do. I think that was probably an, Anto- from what I've read an Antonio Pierce, his right hand guy, uh, that was his decision. But I mean, one of the allegations is they worked out a kid, uh, a prospect at a park, filmed it and then met as a staff to evaluate the film. And I'm like, that is a, if you're going to cheat, you know, they don't leave that. Don't let's just fire up this video of this kid in the park and and write a scouting report. I'm like, so what are you doing? You know? Um, And that sucks because because that experiment that I think we both were somewhat critical of it, you know, because I I thought Todd Graham got a raw deal out there. He was seven and five. That's kind of the historical average. Uh, and then they go hire Herm Edwards. Uh, and I've met Herm. He used to coach the Under Armour game when I was covering it. Very right. nice guy. I love it. Glad for him to get the opportunity. Just question the hire. Mike, it was working out. I mean, they they were – they were. You, you can talk to folks out on the West Coast. Arizona State was making a dent in recruiting uh, in California. You know, that program's always kind of been considered a sleeping giant. They were finally about to arrive, and then this hits. <laughs> Poor son. Forks down, man. <laughs> Forks down. Uh, it's yeah. It's it's gone really quiet. That story broke, and then all of a sudden, you don't hear anything about it. And and I don't know if that's a good thing. I, 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 I'm not trying to. It's like trying to predict a jury. But you got Jaden Daniels, who is a is a stud. But I, I again, even in the newer, kinder. Less um, punch, if you will, NCAA world. I don't know how you you get by on all that if, if even half of that stuff is so. JC, we are so done. We have gone a little bit over time. Our thanks again to Eric McLean and everybody that is uh, tuned in and, and made us your five star podcast to talk college football. We got Barrett Jones, former Alabama offensive lineman, All American, he of the national titles and SEC championships and everything else. 
another O-lineman who's uh, terrific behind the mic. He'll join us next week on the pod. For JC, it's Mike. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and week. We'll talk to you after media day. So long, everybody.